Father Gregory, I don't know that I have our usual cheerful banter for this month. We have seen yet another war breakout uh, in in our world within the last few weeks here now as we're recording. And uh, probably both of us know people, uh, either personally or more distantly related, who are living in Palestine and living in Israel who are experiencing hardship and difficulty and and the consequences of these these human actions and struggles for power and so our prayers go out to all of those who are struggling and suffering uh in in both of these places as of course they are still with those who are struggling and suffering uh the wars in russia and ukraine as well um it is it is a time this past year has certainly been a time where we have seen the frailty of the human condition and and the the divisiveness that uh, inhabits our world and um the flip side to what christ has to offer christ offers unity and peace and love and harmony and and we see that the structures of the world don't play that game they they operate in a in a very different way and it's it's been difficult to see and uh we just are called to our own repentance by seeing these great disasters and tragedies in in the broader world right now yeah i remember uh saint paisios elder paisios talked about having pain and suffering in your heart you know for others who are suffering mm -hmm. and and of course we need to have that right now and i mean i know i know what you meant you said human acts but really inhuman acts yeah um, yeah. yeah just the tragedy of the violence and the horror uh it's hard to imagine people are capable of things uh like mm -hmm. this and but the sad reality is is that i think as people fallen people sinful people we are capable of things like this yes um and the devil gloats in our destruction of one another yeah um and so as we you know a few weeks we'll have the beginning of the nativity for us we call the nativity fast the advent mm -hmm. season in the west uh where we celebrate the birth of the king of peace mm. Uh, and so we have that that phrase in the epistle and uh, in some of the ancient liturgies that came at the end, you know, Maranatha, come Lord mm. Jesus. Uh, so come Lord Jesus to your people and bring your peace. Amen. Yeah. Well, I think we have, though it may seem strangely related, a, a kind of related topic to this as we that we will be discussing on this week's episode of church coffee pod where mm -hmm. the theology is never watered down and the conversation keeps flowing i'm father bryce and i'm father gregory yeah so we've been asked uh and we have been asked people mm -hmm. are gonna be like oh yeah sure you were asked to talk about stewardship <laughs> no, we no we were asked to yes. talk about the, the the topic of of stewardship and you know I, I mentioned that i think it's related but i think it's you know related in that stewardship is of course initially thought you know what people think of is what am i putting in the tray on mm -hmm. sunday morning when i go right. to church 
But of right. course, it's so much more than mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's a recognition that we have been given so much, mm-hmm. really everything, all good things come come down from above, from the Father of Lights, as we say at the end of every divine liturgy. Yep. And and what we do with our, you know, those those three T's that mm-hmm. our time, our talents, and our treasure, mm-hmm. uh, we do as stewards mm-hmm. of those of those things that have been given to us. That's an old English word, steward, it stewardship. Um, yeah. And it just usually invokes, like you said, money. Uh, and usually it's a very churchy word. It's become a very churchy word, I think. Yeah. Although, you know, you hear people talk about that with the environment, being good yeah. stewards of the environment, things like that. But uh, I, I think, though, the word in Greek, it comes from ekonomos or ekonomia, mm-hmm. uh, where we get the word economy. So the uh, law of the house, nomos being law, ekos being house. Mm-hmm. So the law of the house, and uh, we have some parables. We have a parable of the unjust steward, yes, uh, which is a very interesting parable about the steward who, you know, but it gives us an idea of what a steward is. Just a basic definition, you know, he was he was the manager of the master's goods, right? And you know, he wasn't doing a very good job, and he was going to be fired. <laughs> and so he figures this out, and so he goes to people who owe the master debts and he says how much do you owe and one guy says you know whatever he like 100 or 80 or whatever and he's like take the bill and scratch it off and write less mm-hmm. uh so he's he's definitely unjust you know in many ways and uh but the master commends him for his shrewdness right um you know and so but i just bring that up because it gives us an example of what a steward is somebody who's managing uh the property of somebody else basically yes yeah exactly. and who and who will give an account to that person for how they manage it Mm-hmm. You know, as we see in that parable, he was going to be fired because he wasn't being a very good steward. He wasn't doing mm-hmm. a very good job. So, mm-hmm. so stewardship is how you manage what's been given to you. And as you said, everything has been given to us. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all belongs to God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but you know, we talked about the three T's: time, treasure, and talent. But I don't know that that these parsings. You know, um, what about just that petition, the liturgy, let us commend ourselves and one another and our whole life to Christ our God. Commend means to lift up or like to offer up mm-hmm. uh, to kind of, or to, you know, to build up in some way. Uh, it has that kind of, that's that's the meaning of it basically is to hold up, to hold up yeah. to. Yeah, I, I really like that. I, I like that that petition or that kind of closing prayer that we say mm-hmm. several times throughout the services of the church and then the divine liturgy that that is our prayer of stewardship i like yeah. that well and um uh, yeah so you know we have we have that reality of of offering everything up to god and we also have in the liturgy when we offer the gifts to sa ekton son see prospero men now it's interesting because there's a little bit of a debate you know like there are about these kind of words in liturgy uh so just to nerd out for a second yeah. uh because it's like to sa ekton son is very interesting it's like Basically what it's saying, usually we translate it thine own of thine own because we mm-hmm. like to keep it liturgical sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it's basically saying is we offer to you what is yours. Right. Or we offering to you from yours. Mm-hmm. But see si prospero men, we offer to you. Um, and the little debate is like sometimes in certain translations that see si prospero des. Oh, interesting. There's is, a different is Greek. Offered, is offered to you. Uh-huh you know, with this understanding of the sacraments about how Christ himself is the true celebrant. Right. Uh, Cause in, in one way, how could we possibly offer 
to God his own things. Mm -hmm. Well, and also acknowledging that we're, I mean, yes, we're offering them, but we're truly, Christ is the one who's offering. He offers himself. Mm -hmm. And he's our, and so there you go. I mean, he's our example of stewardship. He offers himself. He offers his very life. He offers everything out of love to the father and for us. He offers his life upon the cross uh, so that we might have salvation and new life. Mm -hmm. So Christ is an example and is a model of, of stewardship. Yes. Mic drop. That's it. End of the podcast. <laughs> well, what could you say from that, though? I mean, what are some examples <laughs> from the gospel or teachings he has? I mean, he's got lots of teachings on this topic. Absolutely, he does. I mean, we we certainly one consistent witness, uh, especially in in Luke's gospel, who is, um, you know, of the four evangelists, kind of the one most concerned with care of the poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the ways that that Christ encourages us to offer up to God his own things or to, you know, commend ourselves and one another in our whole life to Christ, our God is through the care of those who are less fortunate than ourselves Mm -hmm. consistently throughout, throughout all of the gospels, like I said, especially in Luke, but, but it's a, it's a consistent witness that Christ is telling those of us who have to help, to give, to, to protect to utilize the the wealth, which is is a concept that has more significance than just how much I have in my bank account, but also has uh, my social standing, uh, my position in society, the people I know, the connections I have. Out of all of that, you know, the position that I have in life, and I really has pretty for most of us doesn't really have anything to do with the decisions we've made. For most of us, we're kind of born into what the you know the kind of social circle we're probably going to stay in for the most part for our lives of course there's differences there but how am i going to utilize those things that i have been given Mm -hmm. to help those who have not been given Mm -hmm. right because they're children of god right Um, and you know as we were saying at the very beginning of the podcast there's there's one people and the people of god are are in one race uh, the human race and um and of course we have that example in the gospel of luke again like she was saying who's my neighbor right you know, the famous parable of the good samaritan he was trying to justify himself and so after he said after he cites the two commandments you shall love the lord your god with all your mind soul heart and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and then he asked jesus so who's my neighbor like who's the one i'm required uh to show this mercy and this help to you know is it just my my fellow uh, Israelites? Is it, I mean, mm-hmm. is it people in proximity to me only? Is it people living righteously? Right. Uh, who, who are the ones that I am, I am, I am supposed to serve. And then of course, Jesus flips that question on his head when he tells the parable, of the good Samaritan. And he asked right. the guy at the end, he says, who proved neighbor to the man? Yeah. Uh, showing that the good Samaritan is the one who proved a neighbor to the man. And of course the guy answers the one who showed mercy and Jesus says, go and do likewise. So yeah, it's about how we manage what, you know, who we are, what we've been given, what we have access to for the benefit of the other, for the benefit of our neighbor mm-hmm. as part mm-hmm. of our stewardship. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, the typical thought of how am I supporting my church mm-hmm. also applies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is consistently seen, especially throughout the Old Testament of just the people of God kind of making sure that the the tribe of Levi, which is is the priestly tribe, has has the things they need so that the the liturgical life of mm-hmm. the people can proceed. 
unhindered, that it that there's not going to be undue pressure placed on the Levites having to be worried with all oh. of their earthly affairs in addition to serving serving the 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 temple rites. Well, and there's more to it than that too, because the Levites had no land. Right. I mean, yeah. all the other tribes had land, they had land to farm and raise livestock and and provide for their families, and the Levites did not. Their land was literally just the temple. Uh, and yeah. the service of the temple, and they were to be dedicated to it uh, day and night, and to take right. care of it along with the priests. And so that's why that practical aspect was there. We also see in the Old Testament, since you're bringing that up, you know, the care for the temple itself, mm -hmm. uh, the place where the people were to come and meet God and worship, and that was part of it. And the temple also served the poor and served the needs of those who did not have, who were coming to the temple, and that was also part of the people's tithe. But let's talk about that. Let's talk about that word. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of people don't like that word. Uh, yeah. That, that word tithe, first of all, it just means a tenth. Yes. Uh, and so how does that play in all of this? Right. I mean, the, the question of like, well, how much should I give or how much am I supposed to give or however we might ask that question does certainly come up when the discussion of, of stewardship and particularly as, as it applies to our, our financial goods comes up and, and the one very explicit example that we have in scripture, at least, is the tithe, mm -hmm. which is the Old Testament law requiring that uh, a tenth, really a tenth of of kind of harvested goods mm -hmm. be given to the temple because other sacrifices were required mm -hmm. uh, from flocks and herds. But that usually had to do more with the firstborn of each mothering animal or something, the, the firstborn was mm -hmm. to be offered to God. Uh, and then the the tithe, the tenth had to do with with crops. Uh, so you had the first fruits. Right. And then you had the right. tithe. And right. there, was there was different tithes from what I understand. There wasn't just one tithe, which is kind of okay. interesting. So the percentage, somebody added us all up and I was like 12.5% or higher 20. <laughs> I don't, it was, some, it was some interesting number. Someone did all sure. the math on that. Uh -huh. Um but, you know, so, you know, giving in the sense of percentage. But I heard this really interesting uh, podcast on this topic. So I just thought okay. I'd share it with you a little bit. And it's based on a book somebody written called, You Mean I Don't Have to Tithe? <laughs> uh, and, um, but basically, there was these two guys and they're Christian guys and they tithed, right? They always gave uh -huh. 10%. And they just did it as a matter of course. And sure. they're like, we're being faithful to God. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And they didn't put any more thought to it. Right. And both of them had this goal for different reasons to become really wealthy in life. They both wanted okay. to be really successful, really wealthy. One, I think so he could just kind of do what he wanted, mm -hmm. you know, like have no limits to kind of like, you know, adventures and things he wanted to do. And the other one so that he could retire as early po as possible. Right. Okay. And, and so this was kind of his goal. And they both end up at uh, Harvard Business School in this like master's program okay. uh, together where they meet all these other people. And they end up kind of working on this project together and they they really start looking at um, the gospels and really start looking at the scriptures. And one of them is very convicted. I think the one that just wanted to retire early, he was very convicted about the parable of the bigger barns. 
Mm. <laughs> you know, so you read the parable of bigger barns in the Gospel of Luke, and he's uh-huh. like, "Oh, I got this huge crop. I don't have to work anymore. What should I do? I'll build bigger barns, and I'll say, right. drink and be merry." You know, and God responds to him in the parable and says, "You fool!" You know, which in Greek is afrin, which means the mindless one. Right. Uh, today, you know, they require your soul of you and all this stuff you've massed up. Whose is it going to be? Mm-hmm. And uh, when he read that uh, parable and and really meditated on it, he goes, I'm the fool, you know, mm, I'm wow. the fool, I'm building bigger barns, this isn't good. Uh, and so anyway, so they also ended up, uh, I don't remember all the details, so forgive me, it's on like the Bible project somewhere, okay. uh, that podcast, and they end up, you know, interviewing all these people. And there's some really amazing people that were doing amazing stuff. Like, mm-hmm. of course, these people were all very successful people. They had good education, done a lot of successful things in their life. They had, you know, good paychecks, very good paychecks. But some of them were okay. Like, you know, I have what I need for my family. Mm-hmm. And then one guy's and I put what I need for retirement away and I, and I give the rest of it away. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about 10%. Mm-hmm. What they found about people who live this way, they were very full of joy. Hmm. Very, very full of joy, not begrudging, not like, ah, I, I can't do this because it wasn't like a box for them to check off. Sure. It was something they were very excited to do. And another guy d- even took it further than that. Like he, you know, obviously he had what he needed for his family, took care of his family, was responsible there. And, you know, which means included taking care of his church. And then he just basically had like a really nice life insurance policy because he wasn't planning on retiring because he loved what he did so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then basically then he, he gave the rest of it away. So he, he loved even, you know, as he became more successful, he was able then to do more mm-hmm. for, for more people and whatever, whatever he was giving to or supporting or whatever he was doing and how he was doing that. And that, again, that brought him a lot of joy. And so we mm-hmm. have that verse for God loves a cheerful giver. Right. Because when we, when we live this way in whatever way that we can, and of course we have, well, we have these examples of these gentlemen that are successful and wealthy and, yeah. And and then of course in the gospel we have the the widow with the two mites, so kind of at the far other end, who gives all that she has. And Jesus says she gave more than all the rest because they gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. You, but they you have this thing of, you know, that source of joy and and that source of joy uh in the, in the giving. And where do you think that source of joy for them comes from? Do you think it's just in the oh, look at me, look at all the special things I'm doing, look how wonderful I am? I hope not. No, I don't think so. I really don't, because I don't think that really brings people joy. I think no. that's pretty vapid. I think that's, yeah. and I think most people feel that emptiness. Uh, they don't yeah. feel the joy that comes from that. I'm thinking of there's a book uh, that's a collection of kind of quotations by uh, Henry Nowen mm-hmm. called "The Spirituality of Fundraising," and I really appreciate kind of his whole outlook on inviting people to give to church or charity or whatever it might be is just that it's an invitation and it's an invitation into the life of that organization. Right. Um, it, it's an invitation into the work being done mm-hmm. by that organization. And so if we, when we give to the church, we are participating in the things the church does. Mm-hmm. And when we give to a charity, we are participating in the things that that charity does. And I think most people have that understanding, especially with charities. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I think people may feel a little disconnected that with their church because, you know, someone gives to a charity, let's say humane society or something, something that does good things for animals because they really love animals and sure. they want animals to be cared for. Yeah. And so they give to that because they want to be a part of that. And even though they can't go volunteer their time necessarily, I mean, maybe they do, to, they do that too. Who knows? 
Um, but if, you know, if they can't, but then they say, well, I can be a part of this good work that's being done uh, by supporting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can be true across the board for anything. I mean, I just, that's just one example. I mean, there's so many different examples, right? Yeah, we, you know, we appreciate supporting the work of IOCC international mm-hmm. Orthodox Christian charities, because they're in these kind of war-torn areas and other areas throughout the world after natural disasters and calamities and, and things where people are really suffering and they're providing resources, they're providing food and water and blankets and shelter and, and mm-hmm. medicine and resources and, and spiritual care. Uh, and all of these things in these really difficult areas. And so we want to be a part of that work in some way, but maybe we can't go to the Middle East or we can't go to Ukraine or we can't go to Europe or or Serbia or wherever it is where, you know, Greece after the fires, mm-hmm. uh, these things have happened, but we know that IOCC has people there. And so we support them and we enter in so that we can enter in and participate in that work. Yeah. Uh, so as you're saying, it's the same thing with our with our church. You know, we we give to our church in order to enter in and to support the work that the church is doing and, and the mission that it's carrying out and proclaiming the gospel, uh, sanctifying the people and, and serving those in need. I think it's also just part of, like we've said earlier, like recognizing that that the things I have are a gift. And if we and if we give it away that that helps us to remember that and then we look at how blessed we are we look at the the gifts that we have been given which is also a cause for joy Mm -hmm. so we have these these examples of of the first fruits Mm -hmm. right kind of no matter where we might find ourselves we need to make it a priority to give that something kind of up front is given to god and not Mm -hmm. just up front but kind of the best of Mm-hmm. Uh, the first fruits has has not just to do with what is first gathered or or what is first born, but it is also kind of the quality. Mm-hmm. Um, the best is offered up to God, and then the tithe, which we kind of talked about, it's not really necessarily a percentage that we need to be kind of aiming for, or thinking of. I mean, we even often will bring up the example of Joachim and Anna, mm-hmm. uh, the the parents of of the Theotokos, who tradition tells us spent about. 30% of their income on on living and gave 30% to the temple and gave 30% to the poor. Mm-hmm. So that there's another example of, well, okay, yeah, there's percentages within kind of the tradition. But but again, that I mean, that means that they were able to afford to, to live off of, you know, a third of their income. Sure, sure. But um, we have we have the example of saints, too, that, you know, we, we know and we see, you know, they they received what they needed and they were responsible and they took care of, you know, their their living needs or, you know, their personal expenses or their family expenses, depending on whether they were they were single or, or they had a family. Yeah. Um, but then the rest of it, you know, they they used to do good in the world. Um, yeah. And and with thanksgiving to God, and and so we see that in the lives of the saints and examples of holy people. I, I this fun story. I remember about uh, I read about Bishop Yerasimos of Avidos. You know, he's a mm-hmm. holy man, and he would get some of his students uh, who were close to him, and and he had he would just keep in a box like all the appeals that he would get, you know, from different organizations or charities, and then he would he would give his students the checkbook and said, write a check out to all of these from what I've got left. Mm. Uh, and he didn't even look like he didn't even see what they were doing. Uh, oh, wow. he was very blind to it because he didn't mm. want the right hand to know what the left hand was doing. Cause it was, it was sure. giving and he just trusted them, yeah. uh, to take care of it. You know, I'm assuming he signed the checks or whatever. And then the students would just write them. And I, one student was reflecting on that. Who's, who's a priest for many years now, uh, of that, that blessed experience. Mm. And so there's, there's a lot of joy in giving and there's a lot of joy in, in sharing, 
uh, with others uh, because we're imitating our creator for God is a giver. Famous verse that everyone holds up at football stadiums, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that ever whoever should leave in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Yeah, But God is a giver and he has given us everything and he continues to give. And we participate in that, in that life with him when we, when we also uh, reflect that in our giving. Yeah. And I think, I think we, it's been said several times in this conversation now that the real key is not to, not to make it a checkbox yes. that I'm, I'm ticking off that it's not, this yeah. is not about obligation. This is not about duty. This is about, about love, mm-hmm. loving God back. Mm-hmm joy mm-hmm. and seeing the opportunity to to do good with the good that has been given to us and to participate in that work um absolutely that's why i was sharing that story earlier from that other podcast because that's that's how they were approaching i mean they were giving 10% but that's how yeah. they were approaching it was it was a checkbox mm-hmm. it was just a thing they did as they just understood as their christian duty and and it wasn't any more than that, and and they were convicted by that actually, mm-hmm. uh, and ended up becoming um, uh, much more joyful givers in the process through through this research and this work. And they published a book. I can't remember what it's called uh, out of that work too. So, mm-hmm. um, anyways, well, along with uh, stewardship, and we've been talking a little bit about stewardship, you know, financial stewardship, stewardship giving of our resources. But we also have, you know, we mentioned also the stewardship of the rest of our life of, and that usually gets summed up with, with uh, talent and, and time. Yeah. Uh, so what would you say about that? How do we give, how do we participate in the joy of giving through time and talent? I think anybody who is involved at the church at all recognizes that there's a lot going on that isn't, you know, it's not just the priest, right? Yeah. It's even if there is a, a church staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just the priest and the church staff, right? No, uh, right. The the things that need to happen for for a church to be the church, to be the body of Christ, to 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 have religious education, to have to have a presence in the community, everything that all requires that everybody be involved in their own unique way, right? And, that, and I think that's the thing with talents is that uh, it reflects Saint Paul's usage of the idea of of the church existing as the body of Christ. And, and we are all members of that body and the members serve different purposes. And right. if, and if any of the members decide that ah, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. really need to do my part, well, then the body ceases to function. St. John Chrysostom has that challenging, but wonderful quote. He says, one of the main jobs of the priest is to discern what the talents of the people are and to empower mm-hmm. them basically to uh, engage in those talents. Uh, within the life of the church and you know being in a slightly larger church and but being by myself now as the only priest here uh, full-time but you know that's become even more front and center for me how important it is to identify and empower uh, people to be involved in the ministry and the work of the church mm-hmm. where they can be uh, and with the talents they have and the time that they're willing to give yeah um, I remember hearing about a pastor once you know going back to tithing he was said you know when we talk about tithing we often, kind of are really zero focused in on on the reality of money he said but what about tithing your time yeah 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 well, absolutely look, look at your time that way um and give a portion of your time uh yeah to the work of the church every week i think part of the, the tithe of time too or the 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 stewardship of time certainly involves how are we spending our time yeah at home 
you know, yeah. How are we spending our spending, other time? Yeah. Right. Am I spending time at home in prayer, whether by myself or with family or, or whatever it might be? Right. Um, if, if I'm not giving that time to God to, to use Christ's word picture, if I'm not kind of going into my inner room mm-hmm. and, and giving God time alone, and, and then I come to church and I'm feel disconnected from the liturgy. Yeah, of course. That's, yeah, or, or that's no am, surprise. Or am I losing time? Right. Or, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Of course. Or the black the black holes of time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as uh, the young people call it, doom scrolling. Doom on scrolling your, on your social media feed, or there's uh, this great Netflix line. binging. Yeah, there's this great line in a song uh, that that by a band named Doctor Dog. Uh, remember, everyone, Father Bryce's pop culture disclaimer that just because Father Bryce references something does not mean Father Bryce is endorsing said thing. <laughs> but fair enough. The, the line in the song is very good. It's, it says, I know the time is hard to spend, so waste it, so waste it online. Oh, yeah. right. And of course, it's facetious, right? But it's right. The, the the problem is real. It's hard to spend your time. Right. So so we, we end up just throwing it away. Well, and this kind of touches on another topic that we will talk about at another uh, podcast, I think, another episode, but just kind of despair, despondency, mm-hmm. nihilism, and how our use of time uh, relates to that. Uh, what was, uh, was it, uh, Dr. Nicole Rokas? Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Yep. What, what is the name of her podcast? Uh, her podcast her is called time eternal. Yeah. And, and she has several, the, the book is called time and despondency, I believe. And she has like the, yeah. if not the first several episodes of the podcast, several episodes of the podcast are dedicated to how are we spending our time? Mm-hmm. And, and is that bringing us into despair? Right. If we are despairing, you know, what are some kind of time based solutions? I guess mm-hmm. we could say that how can we spend our time in ways that actually kind of bring hope, bring meaning or or not necessarily bring, but allow meaning and hope, which are given to us in the person of Jesus Christ into our life. Yeah. And and also, you know, freedom from kind of the, the tyranny of utilitarianism in regards yes. to our time. Yes. You know, it's not about always like, you know, we're not we're not like human factories and, and you know, it's time is always measured in production or something. Yeah. Um, like how many widgets you can produce in a yeah. certain day, um, because we also have the extreme value of time for meditative prayer. Yes, which, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Al Rossi does a really good job talking about the importance of that. And yeah how that's necessary. And, and he's got some good references there too. So, so time to the, if someone's just like a casual observer, that might look like a total waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not because it's, it's the, it's kind of a dynamo of time yeah. spent and it actually kind of multiplies. I remember reading a uh, St. Ephraim of Katanakia, elder Ephraim of Katanakia. Mm-hmm. And he said 30 minutes of deep meditative practice of the Jesus prayer is the equivalent of three hours of sleep. Uh, just like with the experience, the benefit he experienced, I don't say yeah. we would experience the same, <laughs> uh, but the benefit he experienced, uh, as a hesychast, yeah. uh, from entering into that, that kind of deep meditative prayer, but how important it is for us and how much we need that today too, to be yeah. able to unplug and spend that time in meditative prayer with God and just how yeah. important that is. And that's a great way to be stewards of our time, which mm-hmm. multiplies our time. Kind yeah. of like the loaves and the fish, another example of of financial giving, right? Jesus has got all the the masses out there and he's teaching them five thousand men plus women and children. 
And he turns to the disciples and he says, give them something to eat. And they're like, whoa, you know, you want us to go to the towns and buy food for all these people? And and they basically, all we have here are five loaves and two fish. And I think in John's gospel, it's even more emphatic. They're like five little barley loaves, which were smaller. Mm-hmm. And the word for fish, I think, is upsadion, which is like little fishes. You know, they're mm-hmm. not even really that big. And some little boy's lunch, right? And right. he blesses it and multiplies it and shares it with all the people and everyone is satisfied and there's 12 baskets uh, yeah. left over uh, from the fragments. And so in the same way, you know, time can be multiplied yeah, uh, through how it's used and talent can be multiplied. There's a multiplying effect to talent as well. Absolutely. When we work with the grain, mm-hmm. right, we're, we're going to, we're going to work most, most well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even want to use the word effectively because that's, I mean, like we said, there there can be such a kind of utilitarian mindset sometimes, and that's just not that's not the point. You know, it's it's we when we work with our talents, we we function most completely as as the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, but that that requires a lot of discernment as well, which mm-hmm. again kind of comes back to spending that time in prayer to encounter you know our 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 deep self and to to know ourselves and to know. Um, the ways in which God has gifted us and to hear the call to use those right. gifts right. in his service. That's where we meet Christ in the depths yeah. of our hearts in some ways, in many ways. And that's where we realize the holy things that God's calling us to. Yeah. And it's, and all of these things, I think, just kind of come back to recognizing that everything we have is from God, right? That all of these things, our time, our talents, our treasures, we are commemorating ourselves and one another and our whole life. All yeah, of these things. Yeah, commending Christ. Yeah, commending ourselves. Commending, so yes. Yeah, just the joy of of giving uh time, talent, and treasure and participating in the giving uh of God. How God gives of himself to the world and invites us to enter into and participate in that giving back to him and to others. Yeah. And and that's and that's a great source of joy for us. So glory to God for all things. And so this season is a season of giving as we celebrate the giver, the birth of the giver, the king of peace. Yeah. As we prepare ourselves for that, I mean, it's not quite the nativity fast. We'll be in a few weeks, mm-hmm. uh, that 40 day preparation time for that. And so there'll be lots of opportunities. I know there'll be lots of appeals and sometimes it can seem like a lot, uh, but it's also hopefully all for all of us will be an opportunity to see as an opportunity uh, to participate in the joyful giving of our, our loving father in heaven and uh, to receive and to experience that joy as well. All right. If you have any questions about this topic, or if you have another topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at churchcoffeepod at gmail.com, or you could leave us a voicemail at 317-660-5498. Thank you for listening to Church Coffee Pod. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. Make sure to tell your friends that church coffee isn't so bad after all. Peace.